Okay. Hi. Uh, never have I ever. Um, hmm. Gone more than a couple of months without wondering if I'll be alone forever. God, Lana, why did you start <laughs> this episode like that? Oh, my God. <laughs> for therapy for our romantic woes i feel like the rom squad has started that out already <laughs> this is not brand new information <laughs> um yeah so welcome to hell yeah um welcome rom squad to hell yeah the rom pod um yeah so I don't know. I'm sorry. I, we're not no, going to No, we're not going to. I mean, you guys are going to have a much sort better. Of hell. It's fine. <laughs> um, they exist. It's yeah. Whatever. We're, we're women in our 30s. Yeah. In our mid 30s. So, yeah. Yeah. Unrelated, I was driving back from like Sarasota today, and then that Dolly Parton song, Single Women, <laughs> came on, and I literally <laughs> cried in my car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dolly. Dolly is so great, man. But, man. Dolly. Stop speaking so viscerally to my experiences, Miss Parton. <laughs> I don't even know how to make this whatever. Uh, Guys, I'm Misan, and obviously this is Nana, and we are hell yeah, like we said. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about Never Have I Ever, which is Mindy Kaling's amazing show on Netflix. But first, we wanted to just tell you a little bit about the podcast. So, Misha, sure. can you take it away and explain the background yes. and why we're doing All right, this? So, like Nana said, we are Helia, uh, or Helia, like Nana likes to say. I prefer Helia, though. Um, but it stands for happily, <laughs> like H-E-A, uh, stands for happily ever after. Um, and Nana and I are two friends from college who are... We're lady lawyers who are also first generation um, Americans uh, mm-hmm. that from Africa. From Africa. Yeah, that's right. The Africa part is important. Because uh, mm-hmm. it actually speaks, speaks a lot to our various, our like identities, honestly. Um, but we figured out, mm-hmm. you know, recently how much we both love romance um, just as a concept and love romance novels. Uh, and we thought it'd be fun uh, to spend um, time with you guys and with each other talking about romance novels a concept of happily ever after and romance in pop culture whether it's in a movie it's a tv show it's a book um a play because we think that the romance genre is one of the sort of like deepest and most interesting aspects of what we can interact with as people generally and uh, we don't think it gets enough credit and attention and so mm. we like to talk about it with a critical eye and also while also mocking ourselves as you've noticed um and so that's why we have hell yeah so we now we spend every other week with each other and with you discussing things that we love and this week we're talking about never have i ever yeah um yeah i don't really have much more to add to that except for that you know we are lovers of love and we assume that uh you the rom pod are either current lovers or aspiring lovers of love 
And this, the whole point of this podcast really is beyond like what Nissan said, um, finding, you know, like critically looking at the genre is also just finding yeah. these little pockets of pleasure and joy um, in these very dark times. Guys, I don't know if you noticed, but the pandemic is actually not over. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's yeah. not ended Go so figure. we're gonna just keep doing this <laughs> yeah we didn't get to do that little munchkin dance yeah no exactly you know, we can't yeah. be like george bush when he was like george w bush when he was like mission accomplished when and now we're just mission accomplished all right no, that's we're political. Not there, all right so we're not talking about that uh, <laughs> <laughs> shifting gears um speaking of george w bush and things that were happening in the early 2000s Ooh, good segue this is now we're hitting the rom news section well, Benefer, 2.0. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the initial iteration of Benefer, but it was Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez, you know, in her early 30s. Ben Affleck in his late 20s, about to reach his early 30s. They fell in love on some movie set. And, you know... Gilly. Yeah, God. I've never seen that movie. <laughs> it's terrible. Apparently it was horrible, which is a shame. Also, but, you know, sorry to interrupt. Was she really in her early 30s? I yeah, no, J Lo. Yeah, oh, go or like J Lo when Benefer are like, or J Lo and Benefer is like thirty two, thirty three. Oh, interesting. Isn't I had it? no idea. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and she's like three or four years older than Ben Affleck. So, oh, yeah. go on, teach us, teach us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm the pop culture aficionado, or I should say, maybe obsessive of the pair of us, uh, and that usually you know expresses itself in knowing weird, arcane facts about celebrity relationships, as you can see. Uh, but so anyway, that was the early iteration. They fell in love. Ben Affleck, the Boston boy, the Boston bro, mm-hmm. and you know J Lo, the Boricua from New York. You know, mm-hmm. uh, from the and- block. Yeah, Jenny from the block, from the Bronx, in fact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, America was amazed by the super couple, but they also were, a lot of women might have been enraged by what was happening, because it didn't make sense that J-Lo, who, you know, was a fly girl, yeah. you know, on In Living Color, and has started to, you know, have this, you know, movie career, would fall in love and be with, like, the golden boy, Ben Affleck, yeah. that was on, like, Pearl Harbor. And, like, yeah. this, like, you know shining beacon of like new englandness or something so anyway so it was mm-hmm. a whole thing uh they had like a long sort of not long but they had a very tumultuous relationship that i very public in, yeah very public. i think that was that was a big thing public uh you know there she was in music videos you know yeah. in her music Ugh, videos I'm rolling, I'm rolling my eyes i was a hater i know yeah <laughs> I was a I total hater. I hope we get to do live shows at some point so you can see when <laughs> Nan and I roll our eyes because it's really, it's a, it's a thing of joy. Uh, <laughs> but so they had this tumultuous relationship, but they fed gossip magazines all over the world and there were pictures all of them everywhere. Paparazzi was obsessed with them. Yeah. Um, and they fell apart. I mean, they were engaged. You know, Ben bought her this like huge pink diamond. That yes, I, pink you diamond. You remember the pink diamond? Yes, I do. Oh my God. Um, and they were clearly like obsessed with each other, but... They fell apart, and part of that had to do, I think, with Ben Affleck's, you know, um, addiction mom. issues with gambling oh. and alcohol. <laughs> oh, I thought um, it was his mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his addiction. Uh, and so it just it didn't it didn't work out. It didn't work out. Yeah. Um, and it's a sh- and it's a shame about that. But people sort of like, oh, they were never would have made sense. But for all, all intents and purposes, it seems that J Lo was heartbroken by that. Um, but mm. you know, chose to assuage her heartbreak by getting married very quickly after. Um, which is her, which seems to be her, uh, sort MO. of 
MO for heartbreak. If she breaks up with someone, she moves on quickly. Honestly, mm. I respect that. Uh, yeah. But she loves love. So, you know, they went away. They fell apart after imploding due to, you know, Ben being a dick, mostly. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, JLo married Mark Anthony and had two children with him. Uh, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck married Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck have three children. Ben then he came out about his addiction issues and, you know, he and Jennifer Garner got a divorce. Uh, meanwhile, JLo divorced Mark Anthony and then she was with A-Rod and everyone thought they were this, like, you know, Latino, Latina, like, power couple, you know, that was No, well, JLo's kind of... mom didn't. She's never resisted the urge. <laughs> JLo's mom is gay, like, a real... <laughs> is like a real... <laughs> she like, a real... She would undercut him. Yeah. Where she could. Honestly, I respect moms being fully involved because that sounds like my mother. So <laughs> that tracks for me. Meanwhile, Jennifer Lopez and A-Rod had been engaged. And so somehow they like separate and then Ben Affleck is back in the picture. And suddenly they're now like publicly together. And what I find so interesting and why we're talking about this, guys, is how this has been staged. Because we know that Jennifer Lopez is a rom-com queen. So there's been this mm-hmm. like sort of like slow rollout of photos. And what really made us want to talk about this is that last week we saw photos of J-Lo and Ben in Italy. Uh, Jennifer Lopez just turned 52 last week. And she finally posted Ben Affleck on her Instagram of them, like, making out, like, in a clinch. And it's so funny, because she's so good at this. She has, like, six photos of her in her bikini. Then you have to, like, swipe through. And then the last photo, <laughs> the the last photo in the slide is her and Ben Affleck in, like, a clinch. And they're, like, kissing or whatever. And you can see her hot body. And then, two days later, there was, like, a photo of them on a yacht of Ben, of uh, Jennifer mm. Lopez lying down in a pose very similar to her pose from the Jenny from the Black video. And then Ben Affleck had his hand on her butt, just like. I roll. I roll. I roll. I roll. I roll. It's like, dude, how many reboots do we need this season? How many early two thousands reboots do we need? You know. How many early two thousand reboots do we need? This is just. I know. I. I just. It's so funny, and maybe because I'm not as into celebrity culture as you are, maybe that's part of it, but it's just like, bruh, like, I was, you know, going to homecoming when you guys had this thing. I had a lot of time on my hands, so I was invested, but now I got bills to pay, and a (laughs) pandemic to curb, and you guys want to do the same old shit. Are you personally helping curb the pandemic, Nana? Please. (laughs) Are you like? Are you like? Are you suddenly like working at the CDC and you didn't tell me? Is that what I need to know? <laughs> I'm, all I'm saying is that if they're gonna do this, I want them to introduce some new stuff, and it feels like the same tired crap. You know what I mean? I think it's you're right. It is playbook. very much a retread, you know, yes. of like old favorites. I don't know, dude. Um, I if this is genuine, I'm happy for them in the way that I'm happy that humans find connections everywhere, um, but. <laughs> But I'm, I think I'm half need... of this is not genuine. I think part of it is like they're probably into each other. I think they like it seems clear to me that they have like really cool chemistry that apparently does yeah. not translate on screen. Hence Julie. Yeah. Um. But I think part of this is also like an ego thing for both of them and getting this is probably the most attention they've had in a while. That's um, probably together, true. Which is probably true. And it's entertaining because it's a pandemic and like what else is going on because the rest of us aren't going out 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's a real life rom com. Better yeah. for 2.0. We'll keep you guys posted if we hear anything more. I have been your celebrity gossip correspondent. Yay. Thank you, Misan, because I wasn't going to do it. Thank you, Misan. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, back to the year 2021 um, yes. and young people. <laughs> Never have I ever. Never have I ever. Which is, um, you know, I told Nissan I really want to do this basically because I love the show. Yeah. And um, it's a Mindy Kaling show, and she made it with someone else, Lang Fisher, who I guess is not as well known because it's really yeah. thought of as a Mindy Kaling show. Yeah. Um, and I will get into it at first sight. Why don't you actually start, Nissan? Let's mix sure. Why so don't you start? at first yeah. sight, yeah. Uh, so for me, at first sight, so I I don't know when this came out. Might have maybe it was like last two years year. Ago? Last, last no, year. no, was it, last was summer. It? it was during the pandemic. I have like a vivid memory of this. Really? Yeah. yeah oh. It was during the pandemic. That blows my mind. Just, yeah. God, what is time? Time is yeah not real. Um, <laughs> but I remember watching it last year during the pandemic. It was it was so it was soothing to watch something that felt very. And it felt tailored, even though this is about, like, high school, it felt very tailored for me. Uh, the mm-hmm. type of thing is it feels like, you know, it's like this smart high school girl, you know, like, dealing with being, you know, a woman of color in a school that might not necessarily, like, you know, feel like it's it's created to be in a place of emotional safety for her. So dealing with a lot of, like, just being, like, being able to see myself a bit in this protagonist and be like, oh, this is a fun show about high school. And she's, like, nerdy and funny, um, and it has a lot of things that I like uh, when I watch TV shows. So I just, I sort of turned it on. I just um, said, oh, Mindy Kaling has a show. I'll, ge- I'll watch any Mindy Kaling show because I love her. Yeah. Um, generally. Um, and I turned it on. And it just is better than it has any right to be, honestly. Yeah. Because what you think yeah. you get out of, like, a teenage show that is it is like a rom-com but not just that it's not just about her romantic relationships about her family about her experiences um about just Davy the character you just get so much out of it and I just loved it I watched especially because we're in the pandemic and where it felt very isolating last year um it's a little bit better this year but last year was really something else was pretty tough Uh, so being Mm -hmm. able to watch a show that felt sort of like a warm hug was really really cool and then I laughed a lot and I also cried a lot which I did not see yeah (laughs) but that was my never have i ever it's a great show it's just it's good yeah i mean my situation is very similar so it was i think sometime in the summer during the pandemic like this was like the maybe like may or or june or it was just like in the at the height of like the really depressing Mm. part of the Mm. pandemic um i like you i saw this was a mindy kaling show about like high school drama and i was like i'm gonna watch it because it's mindy who her shows and we might discuss this at some point i really like mindy but i'm also very critical of her stuff mostly because Mm. i always felt that she could do better than she was doing like i felt like Mm. the mindy project was like like i loved certain aspects of it like the throwback to rom-coms and i love mindy someone who loves love right and loves rom-coms but a a lot of the characters felt yeah yeah, but a lot of the characters always felt a little flat, and the jokes jokes felt really broad, mm. and you know. And then I watched mm. this, and I was like, "Wow, this is like a fully fleshed out, 
really deeply moving plot. You know what I mean? It was almost like, yeah, I was almost like, this is what I've been waiting for you to do, girl. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and so I watched the show and I loved it. Like, I think one, because it has like the teen romance and there's like a lot of um, sort of callbacks or parallels with like beloved teen romances. Like you see a lot of like mm. 16 candles in it, for, for instance. Um, but it focused on a woman of color who's like first generation or second generation, however you, you, you tend to define those, but her parents are from India. Um, and what really resonated with me, and we'll talk about this definitely in this episode are like two themes, especially in episode one, which are grief and rage, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and so I just loved seeing like a teenage girl character who was such a hothead and so angry but she was still really smart and good at yeah. school and adults kind of liked her yeah. like there was just so much complexity and I remember like I binged the show and I was like everybody like all my like girlfriends because we were talking a lot during the pandemic it's like you gotta watch the show you gotta watch the show and yeah. so yeah. it is a show that I like, have stand from the beginning like I think especially season yeah. one was perfect it was amazing yeah totally agree yeah yeah there's something yeah. I mean we'll talk more about Davy as a protagonist but there's really something about there's no like I don't think there's a character quite like her that you see yeah. on, that I've seen on TV and I not and I watch a lot of TV and movies um, yeah so I think to be able to put someone out there that feels so familiar um, but is a unique as a character is not just like your typical like teenage girl protagonist Nana was saying this earlier um, that she's not bad or good she's just a person yeah. uh, as frustrating as she can be. I think that's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so I guess like, I get, well, yeah, L- let's start with the plot. Um, yeah. Which is, it's, I'll, you, I'll, I can do the plot. There are two seasons of this show and basically the, the show centers around a young woman um, who's at the beginning of the show, 15 years old, Devi Vishwakumar. Mm. And she is living with her family in Sherman Oaks, California, which I guess is like a suburb of L.A. or in the L.A. Yeah, general yeah. area. Yeah. Um, and so at the beginning of the show, her we find out that like her father has died and he has died in a very traumatic way, which was like at her like band concert, like in front of her. Right. Like mm-hmm. she saw her father die and it was very unexpected, you know, um, and because as a cause of that she had some kind of psychosomatic reaction where she like thought she had been paralyzed or she like she was par- functionally paralyzed for months um and so she had a pretty shitty first year of high school <laughs> like as a freshman yeah so her father died and so um by the time we get to the show she's like walking again um she's back at school she's living with her mother uh, nalini who is like very strict and very sort mm-hmm. of like it sets a lot of like rules and boundaries for her um and she's a dermatologist and then she also lives with her uh cousin kamala who's like moved from india to like stay with their family because she is getting like some kind of like bio um phd or something at caltech and so it's these three women living together in this home and especially the mom and the daughter dealing with tremendous grief Mm. uh david doesn't even really (laughs) want to come like you know grapple with the grief so like at the beginning of the series what she's interested in is getting laid by the hottest guy at school 
Yes. So, and being popular. So first it kind of starts out, she like, we meet her like two nerdy friends, Fabiola and Eleanor. And she's like, we need to be like popular and cool this year. And like, I, and then she comes up with this very funny, very specific plan. That's like, mm. we need to like basically find guys who are like attainable for us. Then we'll be like the boyfriended. And then we can like work our way up from there. Um, so it's like not super working out, but like her friends are kind of meeting guys we meet her like rival at school this guy ben grossman who calls her friends the un and they're like she thinks it's kind of racial because like she's you know south asian her friend eleanor is east asian and their friend fabiola is like black and latina um but it turns out un stands for unfuckable nerds and that's like the (laughs) moment where she's she's like wait like she just feels shitty about herself and so this introduces us to paxton hall yoshida the hottest guy at school. So Davy's been salivating over this guy, but like he was never the guy that she was going to go after because unattainable. But she yeah. just decides to like shoot her shot. She sees him at his like swim meet or swim practice and is like goes up to him. And this is kind of a cringy part, but she's like uh like, you know, I've been really into you. I've been into you. Like why don't we have sex? And he's like, "Okay." so this is like I love it because it's like an introduction like this is kind of like the jumping off point of the show right like it's Mm -hmm. like we know who all these different characters are we know that Davey's motivated by Ben Grossman's constantly sort of undermining and like Mm. uh, niggling them and Paxton is sort of like a very blank slate hot guy who kind of like is there to be hot and objectified Um, as the series progresses she and Paxton don't have sex but they like they form like kind of a weird bond where he like he's like less interested in the no strings attached sex because Davy's chaos and it just ends up being like a lot um but he like has an affection for her and their friends and she becomes like sort of more in with his friend group meanwhile we also get subplots for her friends Eleanor who whose mother is like a theater nerd actress like a you know theater geek whose mom had abandoned her and then like there's like a subplot where like her mom comes back into her life and then ban- abandons her again because <laughs> she's flighty. And then her mom is horrible. Fa- <laughs> yeah, she's horrible. She's and horrible. then Fabiola is um, head of the robotics team, super nerdy, and she has like a coming out story where she like has a yeah. crush on this girl Eve, and then she kind of discovers or like you know or realizes about herself that she's gay, and then comes out to her mom. So we have those. Then we have Ben Grossman, who is like her school rival, who's like. My friend describes him as like, oh, we all know that like white dude. He's like a know-it-all. He's like yeah, a hyper competitive. Yeah. He's nerd. Wealthy. He has a chip on yeah. his shoulder. Yeah, wealthy. Um, his like kind of character th- thing is that he's like constantly name dropping because his dad is like an entertainment lawyer. So he'll be like, we went to Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant or something like that. And I've been to Lisa Vanderpump's restaurant. It's not that special. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to both um, and, of them. <laughs> um, and then Kamala, the cousin, is, like, kind of being um, encouraged to do an arranged marriage. But, like, she's not very mm. interested in that. She has a boyfriend who's kind of, like, a boring hot guy. But, like, really, Kamala, we get the sense that she's come to America to pursue her dreams of being, like, a biologist. And, like, that's her mm-hmm. primary interest. And so there's just, like, this, like, rich world of all these different characters. But it, like, centers on Davy. And then the other point to add about her is that her narrator is John McEnroe, like, the very famous hot-headed uh, tennis player who's now a commentator. So that's, like, the basic plot. As the plot develops, like, we see Davy going to therapy with, therapist played by the wonderful Nisi Nash and 
we start to see sort of like this facade of like I just want to meet boys and be popular crumple Mm -hmm. and at the core is like this like very hurt grieving girl who's lost her father and is just like kind of like fraying at the edges she also has a very complicated relationship with her mother that we'll discuss um season two builds upon all of this i will say like i think season two i'm just gonna put out there is not quite as good like sort of thematically or plot wise as season one we're still dealing with grief but not to the same extent it's like not the core essence of the Mm -hmm. show and there's like a big kind of love triangle triangle hanging over because um like i in case you haven't guessed it or you haven't seen it uh ben this whole time has like been into her they have like a romantic tension and mm-hmm. he had actually like done this, her this big solid at the end of season one, which was that she, her mom was going to go spread her dad's ashes. She and her mom were in this big fight. She didn't want to go and she refused to go. And Ben like was super concerned and kind of convinced her, got her friends to convince her to go and then drove her there to make sure that she was able to be there for this big moment because he knew she would yeah. regret it. And so she was grateful. They kissed. We think they're going to date. But guess what? Paxton, the hot jock, is into into her. And all of we, like, very nerdy girls or women who are watching the show are like, well, we always wanted Paxton to be into us, so this is great. We always wanted that guy to be into us. I mean, of course, it's high school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the, the world of, like, nerdy girls grown into women, like, sigh the collective, like, Ah, because she finally got the I hot know, guy. It is cute. Um, yeah, Davy does a very Davy thing, which is tries to date both of them and ends up destroying her relationship. Horrible! Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just so felt she, so mean. It was mean. I still, I still haven't forgiven Davy for that. I'm still mad yeah. About that. <laughs> I, I will explore this too a little, but Davy does very selfish, sort of unjustifiable things, yeah. kind of regularly. Um, and what yeah. the show does do, though, is it doesn't really turn a blind eye to it. The people in her life call her out on it. And I think they, she's constantly f- being forced to contend with, like, the ramifications of the things she does. And yeah. so in her head, because she's, like, a protagonist of her story, she's like, yay, I'm the nerd who's finally dating the two hot guys. And, and in a lot of movies or shows, we'd see it from that perspective, right? Mm-hmm. But this show is like, actually, no, those two guys are two people with very real feelings who liked you yeah, and real felt people. incredibly, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and especially, like, Paxton, just because he's, like, hot and cool does not mean that his feelings don't matter or he doesn't have feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And so at, when she does that, that's, like, a big break where, like, neither guy really wants to talk to her. She chases after Paxton at the party where they he, they both Ben and he find out that they've been doubled two times, and she's chasing mm-hmm. him out. He's like distracted, gets hit by a car, no longer can do swimming, which then like puts his entire academic future in jeopardy because he had been coasting on his like sports skills and mm-hmm. now can't really get into college. He also has like, to go insecure- to Stanford for swimming. He was supposed to go to Stanford to swim. It. Yeah, yeah. He also had like yeah. an insecurity about his intelligence, which is like kind of hinted in the first season when her mom like angrily is like this stupid boy that like you're hanging out with is going to ruin your life and you mm-hmm. can tell he's like deeply hurt by the implication that he's yeah. stupid that yeah. carries over to season two where now without swimming like who is he right and yeah. nobody really has any real expectations for him in terms of like his future even his and his parents and even his parents which yeah. They like get into in a, like a Paxton focused episode. So like he is like grappling with his own identity and like what am I capable of? Am I smart enough? Right. 
Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't help that his the girl that he was dating and really liked like cheated on him with like the school's like top academic performer and nerd, right? So this yeah, all kind yeah. of like kicks off of, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of, <laughs> yeah. But really like pushing on like a spot of insecurities, like yeah, exactly. You know, it's yeah, like this like those one spot wounds. of wounds. He's like yes. really like parsing on them. Yeah, exactly. So we're dealing with that. Davy helps Paxton. Like she starts tutoring him and helps him out. They get closer because this is like. I feel like this is like a, such a rom com trope. Is like I'm helping you with school and we fall in love. Like, yeah, why did this never this never fucking happened to me? I was very I know good it at didn't school. happen to me either. I just keep <laughs> wondering like where what I went to ten different high school not schools ten different schools before college not high school ten different schools before college never happened to me in any of these schools and I went to a lot of them all over the country and in another country. So who was lying? <laughs> it's like why I why weren't guidance counselors pairing me up with hot boys to teach? I yeah, I'm very like I just I, it's it feels like we were served lies and sold dreams, Nana. But I'm obviously yeah. over it. So she gets closer with Paxton. Meanwhile, Ben is like being kind of a dick and is really mad at her. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, he's like justifiably mad at her. Like these both of yeah. these dudes, like their reactions are justifiable. It's just you yeah. know we are really more in Davy's head, so we sort of feel as as self involved as she is, we sort of feel it a bit more because of her. Yeah. Um, so also, okay, so yeah, Ben is like mad at her. Also, like in Kamala's life, there's like a subplot with her, like joining this lab of like misogyni- misogynistic nerds who like mm-hmm. give her women's work, like cleaning beakers and stuff, and she's not respected yeah. by her colleagues. Also, yeah. Nalini is like grief- still grieving her husband, has a rivalry with another dermatologist played by Common. A very wooden performance, I may say. But Honestly, like I, they could have, they should have given that to Jesse Williams. At least Jesse Williams. They should have just had a cardboard cut out, and they would have been fine. It was like, the same it was performance. Total stunt casting, and it really, it was beneath Never Have I Ever. I stand yeah. by that. It was beneath Never Have I Ever. Sorry, you're just gonna get our critiques. I, I that was distracting. But to she, the mom has a love interest. Yeah, um, and, this, and part of that love interest thing is like part of how they because they're like like dermatologists, like rivals. Yeah. right? they have like rival dermatology offices. Yeah. and part of how that starts is like she's trying to sell them her like client list because she's thinking that she needs to move to India. Yes. Um, oh yeah, and that's like another plot point in the beginning of the the season. Or at the end of last season, Nalini decides that it's too hard to raise a daughter by herself in the U.S. She needs help. Mm-hmm. She's going to move to India and get help from her family. Beginning of season two, she goes to India, realizes her family doesn't really give a shit and they're not helpful at oh. all. <laughs> and um, she meets up with her husband's mother, her mother-in-law, and this woman, Nirmala, I think. Yeah, that's her name. Nirmala. She's actually... the like she's also grieving her son and she kind of realizes yeah. that they can be a support to each other so Nirmala yeah. grandma comes to live at the house she's a very welcome addition I really love that character amazing <laughs> such a great character yeah so there's that we've gotten over the mom uh, then a new girl an Indian girl named Anissa comes to school first Debbie's like a little suspicious of her right like oh it's, mm. I'm not the only one anymore like I can't be the token Indian girl anymore yeah like she's like yeah. because that's her shtick right <laughs> yeah but Anissa's also cool which also is like makes her feel insecure but they become yeah. friendly um but like as the progresses she thinks she senses a flirtation between Ben and Anissa she feels mm. very insecure about that because Ben was her guy and she wants to win him back note about Davy is that she deflects a lot of her attention to her own personal turmoil 
on guys. So it's like, mm-hmm. like instead of dealing with like her life being in chaos because she's still grieving her dad, it's like yeah. I need to win this guy back. Anissa yeah. and Ben kind of forge a closeness. Davy and jealousy, like like inadvertently creates a rumor that she has an eating disorder. Anissa does. Turns mm-hmm. out it was true. Um, and uh-huh. so she, yeah. And so Anissa like basically wants to leave school because she's being ostracized for her eating disorder. And Debbie has inadvertently ruined someone else's life. So she's ruined Paxton's life. She's ruined Ben's life to some extent. And she's ruined Anissa's like, life. Like, honestly, like, how many more victims is she going to leave in her <laughs> wake? Good yeah. God. She's so chaotic. <laughs> yeah. So there's that plot. Um, they work it out, though. Yeah. Lastly, her friends, Eleanor. Eleanor has a subplot I barely even want to pay attention to. It's so boring. She, like, <laughs> falls in love with, like, some, like, Disney has-been who's, like, a jerk and controlling and toxic. Um, and then she just realizes that, like, she should appreciate her dad, who's the nice parent who stayed while her mom was, like, the shitty parent who left. Blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Then Fabiola has a subplot where she is now out. She's dating Eve. And she's hanging out with Eve's uh, gay friends, like lesbians, and she realizes yeah. that she's like so out of touch with quote unquote gay culture, right? Yeah. And so they're they're using all these references she doesn't understand. They watch shows she doesn't understand, and the it's because she's a nerd. She's yeah. she's just yeah, she's a nerd. She's that's not who she is. And so she's yeah. grappling with like how to be a gay woman, right? Like yet still like being authentic to herself so that's actually mm-hmm. kind of a compelling plot line yeah, I, think- I think we mostly covered everything we'll get into the rest of the plot as we talk but yeah it's two seasons and i wanted to do it justice so slightly longer plot rehash i think you Hope did a you good job it. with the plot nana well done thank you good plot, thank you where's summary. my participation trophy <laughs> i would give it to you but we're not in the same place <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that that's the never have I ever plot. And the heart of the show is really Davy, obviously, which makes sense because she's the protagonist. But she's she's so frustrating and she's so um, whatever whatever is the wise decision, the right decision for a character to make. Davy always does the exact opposite. Yeah, with complete and total like maximum chaos and disaster, right? Yeah. Um, but you have you feel a lot for her character because she's so angry and she's so upset because the one person she thought understood her died in front of her and that's traumatic you know so you feel a lot for her as she's like trying to figure out stuff yeah generally like okay like so you mentioned some of the things that you didn't love about Davy's character but is there anything that you like about her character because I have I think she's well so she's super smart I think it's the confidence that I love um the like she goes for it every time you know what I mean like she like she wears her heart in her sleeve she also thinks her, her her heart and her emotions are the most important thing, but she goes yes. for it. Like she's someone that tries. And I think that no matter how many times she gets knocked down, even though she's like often going off half cocked, I think there's something to be said for a character that is brave in that way. Um, mm-hmm. and is able to be emotionally vulnerable each time, even though she gets hurt a lot. Um, I think if there's anything I can think of myself in high school or even as a person, if we're going to, you know, sort of be like talking about ourselves and make this therapy is that yeah, being af- <laughs> that's what you wanted, right? Rom squad. But being afraid to like do stuff and take risks. Cause often yes. like the nerdy character yes. is the one that is safe. Like, all right, if I just do this, I think we tell girls, if you just do this and this, you do all the right things. Um, you get really good grades. You get into a good school. Then you get into another good school. Then you get a good job. Like, and you just keep your head down and you work hard that life works out and plays out the way it's supposed to because you get a reward for doing everything right. Um, What I find interesting about Davy is that she does a lot of things right, but she also does a lot of things wrong. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think when you get older, you realize that it doesn't, like, life doesn't reward you for just being a good person. It's just, like, life yeah. happens. Um, yeah. And I think it's fascinating for her as a character to just be someone that, like, she's learned early on that life doesn't make sense. And so as a result, she's, like, trying to make sense of it in her own way um, and fails at it a lot, uh, but also manages to become, I think, a better person and grow as she does that. And I think that's something that is is a good representation for teenage girls to see, that it's okay to sort of, like, screw up and mess things up. And she can be frustrating and annoying, but it's also very human. Like, we say this a lot on all of our shows, but the things that we care about a lot is when people feel like real people. And yeah. Davey feels like a real person. Yeah, I agree. Like, I... Actually, even though she's very frustrating, I think I sort of lean on the side of really liking Davy. Um, yeah. Just because she's, I just don't see teenage girl characters who are like, one, she is just so unabashedly horny. You know, mm-hmm. she's like a nerd, yeah. but yeah. she's very open about how her sexual desires and how much she wants Paxton. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. she wears her heart on her sleeve. And there are instances, especially in her relationship with Paxton, which I, because we're making this therapy, I'm like, I wish I were that, like, emotionally brave in high school. And part of it is because it's almost like a double-edged sword because it's, like, she doesn't have, like, a a heightened sense of, like, you know, decorum or other people's feelings or, Mm -hmm. you know, so she kind of barrels through situations. And so, like, it's, like, that same, like, obliviousness that allows her to be really brave, right? And Mm. so telling Paxton, like, I'm interested in you and I want to sleep with you. And it's not that she doesn't feel nervous right but she like kind of just what you're saying she just kind of works her way through it and gets back up and there have been times when paxton has rejected her and she's been embarrassed right but she continually just keeps going back and it doesn't like i feel like there was a time or maybe a portrayal of a certain character that did that that would look pathetic to me but she like never comes off pathetic right she just comes off very self-assured and sort of very in touch with what she wants the other part and we'll like you know we could we might talk about a little more in her relationship with paxton but like when he does things that hurt her she's very vocal about it you know she's like why yeah she communicates she's like well why are you here like because he like was like there was a period of time when he was like kind of sneaking in her room to like hook up and she's like you humiliated me today you know and like you oftentimes like with a teenage character especially the nerdy one especially the girl of color who's like nerdy and pining after this like cool boy you would think that you'd like just hold that back right Mm -hmm. but and or get a pep talk for friends and finally tell him. But like her first instinct is even if it's inarticulately is to say like, wait, like what's going on here? You just you hurt me. And I yeah. feel like I've very rarely and for have had the ability to like vocalize when I've been hurt because I see yeah. that as a weakness. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Debbie and all her sort of chaos and her bravado is mm-hmm. very open about she's open about every emotion, including yeah, her. Everything. And so, yeah. And so that's, like, something I, you know, um, on the other hand, when she is, like, kind of swaggerous or braggadocious, it's hilarious. Like, just, there's this, like, oh, God. There's, she has so many good lines. At some point, I, w- I think we would just have to put together, like, a line book. But, like, one of my yeah. favorites is um, there's an episode where she's, like, because she's, like, you know, she's pushed by her immigrant mom slash she has her own sort of ambitions to go to Princeton right yeah. so she they she goes to like um what is it called Ganesh, Ganesh Puja. Puja yeah yeah 
it's a it's like a, a a festival like a religious festival and this yeah. like white dude who's married to an indian woman is going to be there this white dude is a college counselor who like gets um kids into like their top schools and so sh she goes up to this guy and he's like you're just like basically like every other smart indian kid and he's like racist in that casual way that a lot of people feel like they're allowed to be racist to asians you know <laughs> yeah. like it's like um and she stands up for herself and she's like like I don't know what makes me special. Maybe it's my perfect grades or my perfect test scores or my bitching personality or my insane PowerPoint skills. I don't need some washed up white guy who leases a Tesla telling me why I'm not special. Burn. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> and she's like constantly just burning, especially like for some strange reason, seeing like this like, you know, young woman of color, like constantly dunking on white, like random older white men in positions of authority. Like it's just, and honestly, I recognize that tendency, and I I support it wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, it's not just white men; she does it to everybody, but it's just yeah, particularly but gratifying. It feels, more, it feels even yeah. more satisfying. Like there's a like moment with her neighbor when her mom's gonna sell the uh, motor, like her dad's motorcycle, to him, and she's like, "He wouldn't want you selling it to, up to some washed-up Luke Wilson." Like she's just so terrible. You tell everybody they're washed up. He's standing there. you could tell an older person. Yeah. <laughs> and so she has such like a biting wit. She's just hilarious. Yeah. And I also, the last thing I'll comment about her in terms, because I think you kind of, we got, we talked a bit about her selfishness, but the one thing I'll say that I really enjoy about her as like the daughter of immigrants is that she kind of leads a double life in the sense like she'll like go to parties and stuff if her mom says yeah. no but she's like yeah. very open about who she is what she wants the things she enjoys and her personality in front of her mom and all yeah. the adults in her life right yeah. like she doesn't do that sort of double personality or you know double play that a lot of us do like in front yeah. of her mom she'll curse she'll be like yeah. sucking up to old like white people is like what I do best and her mom be like that's true you know she's just authentically herself in every mm. space she's in mm. which oftentimes you don't see in like an immigrant kid's story it's always like the almost like the um bend it like Beckham where it's like you're wearing yeah. like your traditional clothes and you're the good Indian girl in one scene with your parents and then you're like putting on your soccer kicks and running around and doing something yeah. else whereas I feel like Davy is like a unified self in every space she's in yeah she's very much and no matter she's very much like you said authentically herself and no matter how that might annoy or you know trigger people or rub people the wrong way she just is that way and so yeah. she's at times frustrating selfish self-centered insecure yeah insecure um grieving very angry just filled with so mm -hmm. much rage and so it just sort of reminds me a lot of um cat from 10 things I yes about you. yes in the sense that like it's just like this like teenage female rage that you feel you know you don't know you don't know what to do with it there's just so much in you um yeah. and sort of like there are probably healthy ways you can express the rage and the emotion but you don't really have the tools to do that yet um and i she's sort of the perfect example for that to me she's almost like maybe you know she's like the 21st century version or whatever you know this decade version of cat and but there's there's more to her that you learn about her and there's more layers we can see as we as it sort of gets exposed as we keep watching the show and one of my favorite totally. things about the show is her very prickly relationship with her mom yeah um, yeah her mom is funny <laughs> probably one of the funniest characters on the show yeah. honestly like her her like you see where davy gets it from um, yes totally her like quips are like the best um and 
she's not and she's someone that's trying really hard and trying to figure it out and it's funny because you sort of see it's that classic mom teen girl relationship yes. that's always like fraught with tension like we all had like I remember my mom and I oh god when I was mm-hmm. a teenager you know like you, it happens there's something that happens when you're it's a teen mom and a teen uh and uh rather a teen girl and a, the mother of a teen girl and having to figure out like who like the teen girl trying to figure out who she is as a woman and the mom is like okay but this is also still my domain and that sort of like tussle and rumble yeah and I think the show does a good job of not making Davy wrong or right or her mom wrong or right just know that it's it's hard and it's tough um and they love each other but they don't really get each other and that yeah. happens so much and I and I like that they never try to wrap it up in some sort of like oh if they just figure out this one breakthrough it'll be fixed it's just it's just their relationship that's has conflict yeah, I like I definitely agree with both points. I think Davy has a lot of rage. I think she's re- very reminiscent of Cat to me, but what's different is Cat's rage was kind of poised as very political, you know, mm, in terms of like yeah. I mean there were some personal aspects of it because yeah. she'd been wrong, but it was like as a young woman in this like misogynistic society, this is all the rage you mm. have. And I think that's valid and I think that's a real thing. What I is different about Davy is that she just kind of has the rage we all have. It's not necessarily yeah. directed at like a system or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's just it's just it's rage. Just you don't know how to do it. <laughs> like De- Debbie unleashes her rage everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like God. all the time. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and again, where it's it is. because <laughs> it's probably because she is kind of thoughtless about other people's feelings. She's the protagonist yeah. of her own story. You know, it's the double edged yes. sword. But yes. yeah, like she and and in the show her rage is grounded by in by the fact that like like i think she's always an angry person but like Mm. she has a particular sort of new set of triggers in the fact that her dad died in this way um the other thing about the mother-daughter relationship which i think is so powerful and just to kind of give a background is that her father like we see him a lot through flashbacks and just sort of like her like imagining like there are moments especially in second season where she like imagines herself talking to her father or whatever Mm. and we get the sense that he was the parent that she was very close to he was the parent who understood her he was the calm Mm. one and so he was essentially the arbiter between the mom and the dad or the mom and the daughter and so when he's gone there's like nobody sort of to like you know reach an understanding to be that buffer um, so they're yeah. constantly fighting, and so it's almost like they have like the relationship that Misan was describing that she had with my mom, her mom, I had with my mom, the normal mom and dad or yeah. mom and daughter sort of tensions being at the yeah. coming of age time, but it's exacerbated by the fact that they both dealt with this incredibly painful, devastating loss, right? And they mm. neither one of them is fully processing their grief or anger mm. around the situation, and so it often yeah. comes out like against each other. Um, And about, like, that kind of dynamic, I'll just say that the mother, I think her name's Purma Jaganathan, is, like, such a phenomenal actress. She has so much range. She does, like, like, what you were saying, like, the quippy stuff. Her comedic delivery is, like, perfect. Yeah, she's, she's, you show, you see her grief, you see her sadness. And I guess the last thing I'll really say about that character and their dynamic is that she starts off being kind of, like, stereotypical like immigrant mom particularly like the asian like immigrant mom super demanding kind of yeah demanding about school 
but yeah. you find all these complexities about her like for instance she's the she was always the working parent she's mm. the one who had a lot of the ambition so her husband took over a lot of like the child rearing right yeah um she has a lot of insecurities because of that she has a lot of insecurities about her own mothering whether she's like mm. failing her child and yeah. then you see her date and you see her grieve and you see her you know get snarky and you just see so many layers of complexity to that character that you often don't like even in this materials I like with the immigrant mom because it's like written from the perspective of the child she's often a lot flatter right yeah but she has this character has like a lot of shading yeah it doesn't feel like to me just in general with all the characters there's not and maybe this is maybe you see more shading because of season two even if it's not as good as season one but none Mm -hmm. of the characters feel fall flat to me like, even the ones with, like, a little bit of screen time seem to me to be, like, people that leap off the page. Like, you could sort of see their lives, like, separate from, like, the little bit of time that we see them on screen, which I like a lot. I think that yeah. the show does a very good job of that. Okay. Well, do you want to do, like, a quick run-through of some of the characters? Uh, sure. Not all of them, though, because we've always been yeah, talking yeah, for yeah, so yeah. long. But yeah, who yeah, do you yeah. want to talk about? So one, I just want to spend a little bit more time with Kamala just to... Yeah, she deserves Yeah, because I think, like, the show obviously is about Davy and their mom and their grieving, but there, it has this kind of almost Jane the Virgin effect where it's, like, about a bunch of women varying ages mm. in a family, like, bonding mm. and growing and supporting each other through a very hard time, right? And so yeah. Kamala is, like, comes in and she's kind of the foil to Davy where she's, like, the quote-unquote perfect Indian daughter. She's doing the arranged marriage thing. She behaves. Yeah. She's beautiful. Like, men will, like, you know, walk into walls when they look at her. Yeah, and so Davy's jealous about that. But she's also yeah. very sweet. And she's also focused on her studies. But what I like about her, and this is another example of the show kind of turning tropes on their head, is that she has this, like, incredibly rebellious streak. And, mm-hmm. like... Like you and I get the sense that that's what brought her to the U.S. Right? Is like to have yeah. like carve a space of her own. And so even with the arranged marriage, she didn't really have any intention of going through with it. She just kind of was mm. doing it. Um, but then she decides like, okay, I need to honor you know my family. Then she yeah. gets paired with this like super hot guy Prashant. And even like when it looks like he's about to propose to her, she like runs away because like she she bristles. So yeah, she 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 <laughs> wants a different life, and I think she's like learning yeah. that about herself. Yeah. And then I thought that the subplot of her at her lab, even though like kind of was dealt with kind of fast and was a little undercooked, I thought was like a mm. very important subplot because it it was a situation where again she's like this Asian woman who's in this like predominantly white male environment and they're relegating Mm. her to like a subservient role right and they're expecting her to be sweet and compliant and or pliant and even prashant and i think this is where i see the like maybe a little wedge in the relationship he his philosophy is kind of this immigrant put your head down assimilate do what you need to do and get by and she it doesn't sit well with her you know and so her boss is gonna like was gonna send um a paper without her name on it, even though her like findings was like what fueled the entire thing. Mm. And she wasn't going to take that lying down. And she's, she basically was like, what would Davy do? And so she talked through with Davy and that's like what motivated her to get what, what's hers, sneak in, put her name on, send it out. And so these two women, I think are like really good for each other. Right. And yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. (laughs) Yeah. I was just about to that. What I love, like she starts out as like a contrast for Davy and like a foil. Right. And Davy's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is everything that I'm not. But they're learning so much from each other. Just, like, the bravery from Davy, the going off half-cocked with schemes a little bit. 
but also just sort of learning that they're there's so many similarities between each the two of them and they can grow you know one funny line is when uh when Davy's gonna go like stalk her mom who's like on a date with common um and Davy like trying to get her away is like you know Kamala I really think of you as a sister uh yes Kamala's I like, love well, this I actually have three sisters so I really think of you more as a cousin but sure <laughs> yeah I love that I I, I I remember loling with that I was cracking. I love that so much yeah <laughs> but they learn a lot from each other like about being brave but also just like growing and I think it really helps what I, I what I love about their household is like you said Nana is very Jane the Virgin about all of these women in this space, mm. growing and learning from each other at different, you know, different times in their life, different generation, and adding the mother-in-law even makes it even feel like richer. Um, yeah, and trying to understand cultural expectations and how you sort of maneuver, but like within that, and still be who you are. And her for Kamala to see that Davy is trying to sort of eschew them as much as possible, um, but still is, you know, is I think is as you sort of see her a bit more with Anissa, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit uh, soon is learning more that you know sort of rejecting being indian isn't always isn't always the answer that doesn't mean exactly that's what you need to do to be to be who she is yeah um, exactly and I, and I and i do think that kamala helps her learn that a little bit too honestly just to see mm-hmm. her as she's like living her life even that's not yeah. explicitly stated yeah i agree um in terms of like other characters i'm just gonna we've mostly talked about eleanor and fabiola the one point i want to make about them too is again i just like these characters who are of color or, but like don't play into archetypes, right? So Eleanor yes. is like, you know, of East, Day- she's Chinese American actually, because she sings in a Chinese acapella group. Um, mm-hmm. And she like, I don't even know if she's good at school, but she loves theater and she's dramatic yeah. and she's like a yeah. big personality, you know, and mm. she she's she's not someone who is in the corner. Right. She loves to stand out, which oftentimes you don't necessarily get to see like Asian girl characters yeah. and like, you know, yeah. you know, she's not. And then meanwhile, Fabiola is black Latina and she's like a crazy nerdy, really smart into robots and, you know, and so like. I, I I love that they use the opportunities for the friends, even though I will say their subplots are not always as fleshed out as I would love. No, I mean, they sort of, you it's know. almost like, they sort of like, it's like almost like a little bit of a glance at them, a little bit. Yeah, they're there, yeah. Um, but there's, you know, the feeling is not as, um, it's not as deep, I think. Which yeah, it's not as deep. Which makes sense because they're the B plots and C plots. But I would like plots. next season if they would yeah. have, like they did the narrated a specific narrated episode for Paxson and Ben I'd love to further see them yes, for Eleanor and Fabiola totally yeah especially Fabiola because she has a coming out story which I think deserves just like a little bit more attention because yeah. sometimes yeah. they went through it quickly but I still think it was powerful and even seeing her come out to her mom was like a really yeah. great moment um all right so Guys, we are going to get to Ben and Paxton. We haven't forgotten them, but that's going to be the showcase at the end. So I okay. just before we get to that, I want to okay. quickly go over a few themes that I want to highlight about the show, um, and I won't spend too much time on it. But we discussed the mother-daughter relationships, the rage, which I think are important themes. Mm. I also think mental health um, and the idea of being crazy is something that mm. the show started to explore more in season two. This, and again, because I see so many parallels between this show and other shows. Like, I saw this Mm. in a lot of parallels with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is that, like, the show shows this character who's constantly engaging in chaotic and, like, 
sort of quote unquote crazy behavior. And in some ways it's entertaining, in some ways it's problematic. But as the show progresses, it starts to contextualize it as part of like a more like deeper like mental health issues you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so you start to see it through the lens of like oh this is a person who's really hurting and struggling with mental health um Mm -hmm. and so by the end of season two I I don't think season two has as many emotionally resonant moments as season one but one that really stuck with me and Nissan alluded to this was a moment where she's with her therapist and she's like am I actually crazy because she had she had stalked her mom when her mom was dating common had like made like a big like i love lucy-esque splash you know like mm-hmm. wow she's so zany and her yeah. mom is like Are, you're acting crazy and it like sits with her and there are these moments you see and the actress what's her name uh Mitraini, um what's the actress's name again uh ramakrishnan she's, she's phenomenal. so good by the way she's phenomenal so and so you see these little moments where it's like oh this comment nod at her or ate at her yeah. And the crazy Davy is like something that her um, classmates had called her throughout the show. And mm. there are moments where she kind of like just brushes it off. There are moments where she kind of leans into it, you know. So yeah. you think like she just kind of goes with it. And then at that moment when her mom calls her crazy, it hits her. And like she goes to her therapist and she's like, everybody calls me crazy. Are they right? And you can tell she's broken up about it. Yeah. And so she says this line, like, do you want to say the line? Um, yeah and so it's she's she's yeah like you said she says she's crazier there right and she's like sobbing and then um the therapist is basically like i'm not gonna get this right but it's like no the thing is like you feel emotions very deeply like you feel things deeply and that's not necessarily a bad thing but that means yeah. that you know you feel a lot so you're gonna hurt a lot and but that means you're gonna live a life that's emotionally rich and beautiful which i think yes. is like such a great such a good way to put that because like someone that as emotionally sort of expressive and vulnerable that Davy is, she's going to feel a lot of pain. That's just sort of what happens when you're not like, you know, closed off. Like me and Nana can be sometimes. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's what happens. You feel a lot of pain, but that doesn't make it wrong. It just means that your life is open to a lot more emotion and a lot of what's happening. Um, and you feel that. And that's part of life, right? Like a lot of life is not to be sort of like in this like turtle shell all the time. It's sort of like, you know, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tough cookie. I don't feel anything. I can just like everything just rolls off my back. Like sometimes it's good to be that way. And sometimes it's not because you're sort of um, dulling yourself to things that are really happening. That might not be helpful for you in the long run. And Davy has taken the exact opposite track. She feels everything and you're going to know about it at each time. Um, and I think yeah. that's something that's really I, I, it was great to have her therapist articulate that for her. You can see that that made her feel um that resonated with her and made her feel a lot better. But what? But I know that you you think Nana that made that. We'll we'll hope to see that there's a bit more exploration of that even in the third. Yeah. Season, so that's not just how it you know sort of wraps up. Generally, I thought that like that concept and just like throwing around the word crazy, even though it's very briefly touched upon. I like how the show explores how like hurtful that can be. Like with yeah. Devi and even with Anissa, right? Like she she's been doing a lot of work on herself with her anorexia and you see how much she was shunned at her high school how she fears shunning being shunned at her new high school because people sort of dismissed or reduced her entire experience to just that word crazy yeah 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 and i think i think it's helpful for davy to see i mean this is part of my frustration with davy is like she does these really crazy um not sorry not crazy she (laughs) does these really um apologies i don't want to trigger you davy wherever you are (laughs) But she does these really sort of hurtful, selfish things that are chaotic and they cause a lot of drama. And, and there's a, there's a real like, sort of like 
sort of reverberating effect throughout her throughout her the people that are in her vicinity are connected to her um and it's good for her to see the pain and you know what happens as a result so i thought that the anisa uh sort of subplot where she's the reason that you know anisa gets sort of triggered with her anorexia um and people talking about her being shunned again and then her family wants to pull anisa out of school and davy thinks that oh she can just like you know, first of all, she tries to not, like, not, you know, own up to the fact that she's the one that yeah, <laughs> sort of, like, made up the rumor. And you think she's going to get away with it, but she feels that guilt. And then she tries to make sure that Anissa can still stay. And it, it's, 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 I think, good to see that it doesn't initially work out for her to try to get Anissa to be back in the school. Yeah. Okay. So the last theme I really want to get into is cultural identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've kind of talked extensively, like, or, you know, extensively about how she's Indian and she's kind yeah. of she is torn between quote-unquote Indianness and Americanness. Um, one thing I like about the Davy character is that it's very upfront about some of the self-loathing that like first-generation or second-generation immigrant kids could have around their culture, mm. right? And so mm. Devi equates coolness with whiteness. Like, it's very yeah. clear. Um, yeah. There's like a part in the show where she's like, oh, like, I'm going to go to college. It's the Ganesh Puja episode where she's like, I'm going to yes, go to college. Yes, I love that episode. Yeah. Really um, I, and just to give a little background, it's an episode where she is going to do, like, her family's going to, like, a religious uh, festival where, like, all the Indians yeah. in the area get together. Um, she, like, does She just thinks she's too cool for it. She doesn't want to be a part of it. But she's, like, coming across Indian kids yeah. who actually feel very connected to it. And even, like, her old friend who used mm-hmm. to make fun of it went to college and as you do in college, start to, like, appreciate your own cultural identity in a different way. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. no, this is, like, who I am, and it's cool, and you might feel differently, right? But mm. in her head, she's kind of stuck in this idea that, like, being Indian is, like, nerd, being a nerd or being all these other things. And, like, being cool is getting, the, like, the hot white-ish or white-adjacent guy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so one thing I find very interesting – and in that episode, I think – standing up to herself in front of that white guy like helps her a little at least acknowledge her that like an indian identity is a part of her identity right Mm. but i think she sees it as like um an anchor right yeah but then when anisa comes what is so challenging for her about anisa is that anisa is indian embraces her indianness but is still Mm. cool and so there's this funny line where she's like all this time like i thought that like but like the indianness was like or like um the narrator's like all this time she thought like the indianness was the reason why like she was like ostracized but it just turns out yeah or was it popular but it just turns out it was her yeah like she's the actual issue (laughs) it's actually yeah it's crushing it's crushing it's sort of you feel that you're like oh so it really is me (laughs) yeah it's just her and so you have these characters like anisa who is indian and is like cool with it and knows like and she appreciates through her friendship with Anissa, it's cool to have, like, it's great to have someone who has similar experiences as you, right? Yeah. Who, like, gets the overbearing mom and gets that this is how you're supposed to talk to the aunties. And it, yeah. she says and does all the right things. And even Paxton, who's, Jap- like, his father's Japanese-American. And Paxton, even though he's not as open about his life, you learn that he's very close to his Japanese-American grandfather. He speaks Japanese. Yeah. Like, yeah. when people are like, wait, you're Japanese? He's like, yeah. You know, so there are these characters. He's like, my Asian. last name is Hall. Oh, so sh- yeah. <laughs> and so there's these other cool kid characters who are fine with their Asianness. And so I think yeah. that's like something that Debbie has explored a little bit, but I hope she explores more in other seasons. Yeah, and I agree. 
the last point I'll make, unless, did you want to say anything about the cultural heritage part? No, I think you covered it. I think you got the most, the, what I would have wanted to say. So, no. Okay. Yeah, the last point I think I'll make about the cultural heritage is that, and this might just be, like, my own point of curiosity, is that, mm. like, the idea of Indianness is so vast, you know, and I feel yeah. like the, the show doesn't really get into those nuances, and it's a little confusing because there are moments where, like, for instance, there's an Indian woman who is ostracized by her community because she, like, marries a Muslim guy, right, because they're yeah. Hindus. But then um, Anissa comes in, and Anissa is a, a Muslim, like her family's mm. Muslim, and her mom is so excited that she has an Indian friend. And I did have a moment, I was like, oh, is that, like, is she Indian enough? Like, you know, like, yeah. where, so, like, yeah. where are the cross-sections or the similarities between her and Devi's cultures, and where, like, the deviations, and, like, is this the kind of thing where, like, there's just so few of us that we're happy to have any because that happens with Africans right like yeah, you're a Nigerian like and a Ghanaian sort of connection <laughs> yeah and I do yeah. wonder what it is about like maybe like Nalini is like more sort of progressive about the, exactly you know, the Muslim thing and you know she has exactly. to be about that or it's different between someone getting married versus just being friends you know all of that so exactly like nuances there exactly well. um, so yeah I hope in the future seasons if we are touching upon her culture we get a little bit more of like the nuances like we know she's Tamil we know a couple other things yeah. but I would love to like know sort of the more of the like broader her broader interactions with the community yeah. which I think will happen if she leans more into her Indianness, right um, okay, so the moment y'all have been waiting for. Let's go. Let's go. Let's okay. go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> this has been a long ass ride, but we're here. Okay. <laughs> like the show, this, I think the love, like, this is why it's the last thing in the episode. I think the love triangle is, like, tertiary. I think there's so many more interesting things yeah, happening I agree. in this for show. Sure, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but it's a romance, and it's teen, and you have to package it. And so, obviously, like, the in marketing, the love triangle is always kind of going to be at the forefront, right? Yeah. Are you Team Paxton yeah. or Team Ben? Um and so for one, Misan and I are, I'm just going to tell you, we're on opposite teams, as usual. Yeah, we're diamonds. <laughs> team Ben, go. I am on Team Ben, Misan is on Team Paxton. And before Woo, we- Team Paxton! <laughs> I'll have you know, by the way, guys, the Team Ben versus Team Paxton poll we did on our Instagram, which you guys should have voted if you wanted to make your voice be heard, but Paxton won. And you know what? The people's choice. Paxton is the people. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, Misan. Uh, this is a ladies' debate. And so, as a lady, I'll let you go first and make your case. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll let me go first. You're so kind. This is what, okay. So, Paxton is sort of like, you know, he's your quintessential like jock. Um, and he's something that I call the soft jock aesthetic that I, this is what I've coined or sort of pulled or cribbed from Bolu Babalola, who's this like great author who writes romance. Um, novels and also like writes really great tv shows she's a witty like black british nigerian author and there's this like soft boy jock aesthetic that we see mm -hmm. where it's like not the not the jock from the 80s that like is a dick you know it's like you yeah. know really mean to like the protagonist or to girls like paxton is super hot he's a swimmer you know um but there's a there's a lot of heart to him still you know it's like, like peter kavinsky he's very what yeah, Peter he's Kavinsky. Kavinsky. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh God, you know, you guys know I love Peter Kavinsky. So this is like <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a theme here and what I like when I see in uh, Love Interest. 
So he's very much like Peter Con- Peter Kavinsky. Um, and there's a heart to him. Like, he's not just the jock that, you know gets away like skates on his good looks although that's what he does for most of for what we see in season one but even though we see he has a sister that you know has down syndrome that he's really very close to and that is like the huge part of his um i don't know his his personality is sort of how he thinks about life like he and the sister are super tight so you see there's more to him than just like this like hot dude i think for him he's he's the quintessential sort of character that you want as like a nerdy girl to like aspire to like that popular kid that's it (laughs) and you can say that like all right you bagged him when you were in high school but there's more to him than that he's someone that like also really feels deeply and wants to succeed is just like he's dealing with the soft bigotry of low expectations and that really Mm -hmm. is something that um is painful for him and and then you feel and you want more for him in that regard but you know there's stuff i can say about him that also sucks but that's what i'll say well, I like Ben and I understand the appeal of him. There's a bit of me that sort of, even though like the sort of the Ben focused episode, I felt bad for him. There's a little bit that feels like very like poor little rich boy, right? Just to be like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, like, yeah, your life is really hard because your dad and your mom like don't talk. And I get it. Like, it's tough. That's that a big deal, Horrible. by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you get to be like, but a lot of the reason, like, that's the excuse, or not yes. the excuse, but the explanation for why he's a dick. Okay. To a lot of people around him, and he's, like, trying to, like, buy their affection. Because he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to, um, he doesn't know how to get people to love him or like him otherwise. Because people that are supposed to like and love him just because don't seem to. So I, like, yeah. I, I, like, I understand that. So it's easy for me to be like, oh, poor little rich boy, whatever, like, but I get that. So this is for me being like, okay, I get that. Paxton... You know, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, you're the hot jock that, like, broke your arm and now you can't get into school. So, yeah, sure, whatever. We feel bad for you. Until you learn that, you know, no one has ever expected more of him beyond what he's been capable of before. And so having mm-hmm. someone that expects more and he wants to push himself, like, I think I think both of these episodes, the ones that focus on both of them, help sort of, like, show them as beyond just being, like, appendages of Davy, which I think is yeah. really crucial to yeah, yeah. trying to decide or feel or see the appeal of both of them. And you guys know that I hate love triangles. I think they are so frustrating. I hate them extending for as long as they do. But if you're going to do a love triangle, I think this does a very good job for it. So, listen. It's high school. How many people stay with their high school boyfriend? If our if our experiences are to be any indication, it's, it's, a, it's a low percentage. So for me, it's like, Davey's going to see a lot of Ben Gross's the nerdy, like, <laughs> high, cute white dude at Princeton. And Nana and I would know. Okay? So <laughs> You might have actually just won the debate. <laughs> we, this is a good we would point. know. <laughs> this is a good point. You're going to see those dudes. So, like, although this to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, you also will see Paxton's at Princeton. You will, to be fair. You will see them there also, in honesty. But, like... I think Davy has all her life to, you know, if that's what is her appeal, is as appeals yeah. to her about Ben, to be with that type of dude that, like, is, like, you know, um, they fulfill each other because they're so smart and they match each other in academic prowess. Cool. It's interesting. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. But Pax and Hall Yoshida, you're going to turn down Pax and Hall Yoshida for ben gross because ben is gonna take you to a clippers game or whatever like please 
<laughs> First of all, did you see Paxson come out of the freaking pool in season one? Did you see him do woodwork in season two? Did you see? Like, first of all, why is it realistic for someone that is allegedly in high school, though the actor is 30? So that's yeah. aside. But why is it realistic for someone that is in high school to have that many abs? It's not fair. <laughs> Well, he bought them um, in Mexico, allegedly. <laughs> exactly according right, to Ben. Like, said. like, according to Ben. But so, but I think there's, and it's so, I think there definitely is a cliche of the jock and the nerdy girl. But I, I think that there's more to Paxson than just being the jock. Um, that's the sort of like soft dude that's just an idiot. And I think you can make an argument. Like, I think the show probably will lead to a Ben- Davey Endgame, which I say boo to. I think that's lazy and easy. <laughs> boo! Boo! But I think there's something to be said for how Paxton and Davey can grow together in a relationship. All right, go ahead. <laughs> well, I regret me letting you go first because you made some very strong <laughs> arguments. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> but make your case, Nana. Make your case. Make um, it, make it, make it. Here's the thing. I, I like... I guess I'll have to just make it a personal a personal appeal. I think oh, what God. I no I'm so it for, we you guys know I'm just like such like a banter intellectually connected like like that's the kind of thing that really resonates with me yeah, because I true. feel like that's like a huge part of who Davy is you know like and that's sometimes like her at her ugliest right <laughs> when she's like super competitive she's super you know and Ben has seen that all and they could still like draw a connection from that right like there's just little mm. moments where like and that was the thing she was ostracized for for so long mm. right mm. and so there's like this moment i remember like when they they're doing extra credit and like mm. they both like raise their hands and then they look at each other right they've been like running yeah. in parallel side by side for so long that they're like yeah. essentially companions at this point it reminds me so much of like Anne of Green Gables, like Anne and Shirley oh, and Gilbert, Gilbert. Blythe. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like oh there's this, God. they're constantly pushing each other to be the yeah. best. And they both, yeah. like there's, yeah. I think that's the appeal. He's like the nice nerdy guy who understands her on this level and she can be her self, quote unquote, in that way. Like she, like I, there's not sort of a nervousness or self-consciousness around Ben. Mm. I think Mindy is going to want her to end up with Ben, like you said, because he, she always has that like snarky, bantery white guy character who I yeah. think is a stand in for BJ Novak, but I don't yeah, know her like I that. Agree. So we'll see. Speaking, so of using, always... speaking of using the show as your therapy, yeah. no shade, Mindy, but we got it. We, we, we see it. We all see so it. that protagonist, I just think in terms of just the odds, like it's going to be bad. Like get yeah, on the winning is. team. It's just going to be too. But also, like Ben can be a dick. And I like, and I think. I, I don't dispute that, but the, his moments of sweet, he goes above and beyond to like really take care of Davy in a way that yeah. we haven't quite seen Paxton do. So like, yeah. like he's just, he notices when she's really off because right. Cause he's been watching her his entire life. Right. Because yeah, they've been competing true. with that's each true. other. And that's so true. there's like a moment where she and her mom have that huge fight and he's kind of like, are you okay? And then she's like, can I stay with you? And she ends up like living at his home yeah, while no, she tries so to funny. work yeah. things out with her mom. Also, when um, she doesn't want to go spread her dad's ashes, he 
he knows that it's going to be something that bothers her, right? Yeah. He doesn't like leave it at that. He goes and gets her very best friends, and even though they're fighting with her at the time, I think convinces them that like they need to yeah. do this for her. And so he one reunites her with her best friends, and two convinces her. <laughs> like yeah, like these are true. very like sort of deep life things that he's been involved in, and he sees her pain and he caters yeah. to that, right? And so then when it, she's like gonna miss the ceremony, he steals his dad's car, even though he can't drive. And he drives her to Malibu so that, like, she can be there. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he's fine. He drives her to Malibu. Okay, the first two points are more compelling about reuniting no, him. No, her. but what I'm saying the is that, like... driving to Malibu, I mean, it's a drive. Yeah, he gave like, her a ride. How, but what, how of, far is their house from Malibu, Nana? Is one, he, he can't, three days? One, he can't drive. Like, can you imagine getting on a freeway as, like, someone who has their learner's permit? It is terrifying. Oh, my God, like, I'd be terrified. Yes, listen, I'm not a poor drive. little rich boy, so it's fine. So he, <laughs> And so he does that. And I think the point of that being is he's, he's there with her, right? He is yeah, there. Yeah, no, he is there moment. for her. I think so. So he's, think he's there true. for her and he's there with her. And so then he waits just to make sure that she's okay to see how she's doing after that. Like, and yeah. then he, you know, so he's there for her in a way that I haven't seen Paxton there for her. And then in season two, like one with like the um, Anissa thing, like, and obviously he likes Anissa, but he's the person who tells Davy, like, you got to do better. Like, yeah. you have to make sure yeah. she stays. And then when, she, like, her apology was shit, he's like, you got to, you know, so, like, I think in a different way he challenges her, right? Like, he, yeah. no, I think like, that's true. they're both kind of emotionally stunted in certain ways, but, like, where they see the other person faltering, they're, like, very openly able to, like, yeah. you know, call each other out. And then when Paxton is, like, set, rejects her in front of all his friends... Ben goes after her and like gives her a pep talk. He just he always does. notices. And that was when very she's yeah. That was very yeah. Thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. That he always thoughtful. notices when she's down and he like is there for her in a way that uh, because he's just... been stalking her for their entire Whatever. life. So <laughs> Whatever. Well, of course he's gonna know. Okay, he'd be a bad so... stalker if he didn't. I'd be surprised. <laughs> So I think I think in that way, like he's just like a lot of he's like an emotional. He's like I think he provides way more emotional support than Paxton. I think he I think he has. I think he's been proven to do that. Um, yeah. At this point, and I think in terms of I think the way the story is written, it makes sense to me that, like I said, that especially at the end when he realizes that Davy liked him and wanted to be with him before her friends. Could, I mean, it didn't take too much for her friends to convince her, to be honest. But her yeah. friends convinced her otherwise about about him. And so, and it's clear that Anissa, he doesn't see as a, the great fit the way that Davey is. And though I think he and Anissa, I think he and Anissa make a great couple, frankly. I think they're really yeah. cute. But, but he and Davey are endgame. Like, they're just... Yeah, unfortunately, which upsets me. I think for me, Ben is not, like, there's something about, like, him that I find smarmy. That, like, he, sort of, and like, he's rubs... supposed to be. Yeah, yeah I know, I, but that, that rubs, like, I don't yeah. find that attractive in a love interest. So that rubs yeah. me, that rubs me the wrong way. So it's sort of, like... You know, yeah, I get yeah. it. For me, it's all about Ben and seeing him and Davy together, right? Like, I think he's yeah, really no, too, good that's to fair enough. And, I think, but I, I think for me, like Paxton as who he is on paper is like okay, that's kind of a cool like the the jock who's like there's more to him, like a Peter Kavinsky, right? But when yeah. I see them on screen together, I am just like not that compelled. He just kind of smiles and smirks. He like isn't particularly funny. He does that lean. He's, he's very good with that he's, sort of like He's very opaque hero, to me as like, a character. Lame. Like I don't think like like I don't feel like I like I connect or like know him in a way like a Peter Kavinsky. Like I haven't seen that much vulnerability. I do think part of it might just be acting. I also Maybe. think like Maybe. I, I there's something about Paxson that is like just just like I feel like I don't really get him or he, there's something that's like not connecting. 
in a way. I'm interested to it, see how much of that is like on purpose in terms of the story. So that yeah, it's maybe like laying the seeds for the love triangle to see who wins. Yeah, or or it's just part. Maybe it's acting, or there's some sort of missing yeah. the execution. But I do. I'm interested to see season three. I'd love for there to be a season without like this like love triangle being so present. Like, let's see Davy and Paxton in a relationship or like how, like, how yeah. does that work yes. out and play out yeah. while Ben is like hovering in the back and still has a thing, but is like with Anissa and trying to like let go of it. So we can see if there's something to be said to like address like the, the fair points you've made about Paxton and not knowing how they interact versus Ben. I'm interested to yeah. see that. Uh, let's not give each of these relationships like such short shrift and them constantly not getting like equal time to sort of develop whatever they are. And Paxton's a senior. He's going to be a senior next year anyway. So give them yeah. that year. And then, like, maybe they break up because they can't make up, make it work, yeah. which makes sense. Yeah. And maybe we'll get to college. see him being sweet to her. And he, yeah, maybe. We'll see. Maybe we'll pull up Peter, and, Peter Kaminsky. Because, yeah. like, if you, in terms of soft jo- jock aesthetic that has, like, gotten it right, even in all of sort of their, like, you know, sort of jockishness, Peter Kaminsky is definitely yeah. the height of it. So maybe Paxton Hall Yoshida is there. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess that's well, the end of our debate, guys. That's the end of our debate. It was very heated. It very is heated. heated. It is heated, but you know. Yes, You want to talk you. about our um, HEAs, Nana? Yeah, mine will be, like, super quick. It's a movie okay. on Netflix called The Last Letter to Your Lover. Have you seen this? I haven't, but I've heard about it. Tell me. Uh, so it's basically this, like, it stars Shailene Woodley and uh, Felicity. I always forget which Felicity is. The one from Star Wars. Uh, oh, Jones. <laughs> Jones, yeah. Um, and basically it's, like, a period piece slash, like, there are two timelines. There's one that takes, like, place in, like, the 60s in, like, the French Riviera and one that mm. takes place now. And basically mm. Felicity Jones is, like, a quote-unquote journalist, but I don't know if what she does is really journalism, but she, like, writes a love column and she, like, finds these letters from, like, the 60s between, like, this woman and this guy. And she's like, oh, my gosh, like, what happened with them? I need to investigate. Mm. And then mm. meanwhile in the past, we see that Shailene Woodley is, like, this rich man's wife. And they're, like, the guy's, like, maybe a diplomat or something. They're British. Well, he's British. Mm. She's American. And okay. um, he's, like, she has got, like, he's mostly, like, neglects her. But then, like. You know, like, they don't have a great marriage. And then he has this, like, reporter that's coming to do a story about him, played by, mm-hmm. I forgot this guy's name. He's an Irish actor. He's very cute, though. And she and uh, Shailene Woodley's character and this guy, like, meet, and they start to kind of tentatively hang out. And then they mm-hmm. fall, like, madly in love. Like, madly, madly uh-huh. in love. And so this show, like, the whole story is about how they keep, like, she needs to make the decision whether or not to, like, leave her husband and leave that life and, like, run off with Ooh. him. And, like, it's kind of, like, a mystery. We don't know what's going to happen. At some point, there was, like, a car accident where she, like, lost memory of this whole thing. So you're, like, is she ever going to, like, get reunite with the guy? Yeah, it's, like, a lot of dramatic, like, meet me at dawn, but there was an accident. And because we don't have cell phones, I think that you, like, you know, it's, like, if you don't come, I know you don't love me. And because she doesn't have a cell phone. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, so much of that is happening. So there's, like, so much misconnection. And meanwhile, if... Felicity Jones is like inquiring into this with this guy who's like this cute archivist and so she's like Mm. forging a romance because she's like just broken up with her boyfriend and she's like hard drinking and doesn't want to get in a relationship but as she and this man are like embarking on this romantic mystery they like connect and so they're like two parallel timelines of like romances um Mm. I'll say the strengths of it is that it's like 
so kind of melodrama, like you cry your heart out, you know, oh, it's so beautiful. And they're beautiful period clothes and like the Shailene Woodley timeline. And like, it, yeah, the you got to take it with a grain of salt because apparently it was based on a book. And so it's like a little undercooked. Oh, I think I've sense. heard about this book, but I haven't yeah. read it. Yeah. yeah. So you I've can you get the book. sense a lot was cut out. So like sometimes you're like, what? How did the like, you know, like there's parts of the yeah. story that seem to be missing. But I was like yeah. willing to overlook that. I like really enjoyed it. Like there was a lot of crying and like, oh, Aww. I hope these lovers so find tired. each other. Oh. And they do really sell you on the, especially the Shailene love story that like mm-hmm. these two people are so enraptured with each other and like her life, you see like her open up in this like sense of freedom when she's with this guy. So it's really cute. Aww. More love triangles. Okay. All right. Last letter. No, it's letter. not a triangle. She, she, not, doesn't oh, like her, she doesn't like her husband. <laughs> 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 so last letters to your lover so it's on netflix yeah last letter last, to your lover last, last letter, letter from your lover. lover last letter from your lover okay got it yeah um i don't know why it reminds me of so like it reminds me of that adele song so you know that song send a letter to your new lover yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 treat her better blah, blah, blah. uh anyway gosh man adele when's the next album bring it we need it um, she's in, she's in love right now. She's happy. So I know she's dating LeBron James's agent, which I think is mm-hmm. hilarious. So <laughs> um. Anyway, speaking of my pop culture knowledge, uh, so my HEA this week is a book called Exposed by Kristen Callahan. Uh, so it's the fourth in a series uh, that's basically about this like rock band called Kill John. Um, and the first three books, you know, are focused on their like manager, uh, the lead, and um two of the leads in the in the in the in the rock band so this book is an enemies to lovers book that's focused on the bassist in this uh in this band kill john rye peterson and mm-hmm. their publicist brenna jane so over the course of like 10 years since the band formed um brenna and rye have had this like sort of like prickly um relationship it's very antagonistic and they've sort of been like circling each other, but everyone knows that they hate each other and they're always like snarking at each other. So everyone in the band sort of like tries to keep them apart, essentially, uh, because they're not a good sort of, it's very tense when they're there together. But this band is this huge family that's been around for 10 years. They had like a bit of a scare when one of the band members uh, tried to kill themselves. So they like, they're back into it's sort of that sort of emotional, all of those emotional wounds and scars from that. And so the book opens up with Brenna, basically, like she's like 28, 29. Um, rye is like early 30s and basically she's telling one of their friends uh, that rye overhears that she like wants she started having meaningless sex she wants to have like good sex with someone that knows her and that will that yeah. will actually like take the time and rye has been secretly in love with brenna for years mm. like pining for her watching her uh trying to stay away because one of his best friends you know is she's the cousin of like the lead of the band killian and Killian has said that Brenna is off limits to all of his bandmates. So he's been like fighting this attraction and love for her for years. And so he like makes this appeal to her that, listen, let me the let me be the dude that knocks out the cobwebs, you know, like, let's get to business and make oh things happen. Gosh. And it'll be no strings attached, I promise. And so she like fights it. Or there whatever. are strings attached, though, aren't there? I mean, ultimately, <laughs> they have to be. This is a romance novel. <laughs> But we find out later that Brenna had a huge crush on him, too, and he knew about it. So he, like, tried to dissuade her crush in the cruelest way possible, and that's what made her hate him. Yeah. Uh, but he tried to, he made her hate him so that they, 
he wouldn't be tempted by her. But now he's, like, tired of being alone. Everybody else in the band seems to have coupled up with their, like, loves. And they're in that. It sort of it captures that thing where, like, and you're in your 30s and your friends are, like, coupled up with, like, kids yeah. are getting there and they have their life partners. And you're not there yet. And you're just like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of being in my apartment by myself. Like, yeah. I'm, God, horrible. I'm this familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so it captures that. So both Brenna and, Kill- and Rye are feeling that. They come together and they have like super hot sex. The sex scenes are great. Um, and then they just like are drawn to each other and more and more compelled and into each other. And it's just a great love story. But what what I find so interesting is just how much Rye has been pining for Brenna. So he mm-hmm. knows so much about who she is and her habits. Like, this could sound that, creepy, but it doesn't sound creepy. It sounds really familiar. Book. I'll like Ben he, Grossman, honestly. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> Keep going, keep going. The difference is Rye <laughs> Peterson is his hot basis and Ben Grossman is a generic white man that will be balding at age 30. Anyway. <laughs> no offense to bald men. <laughs> or balding men. But anyway, like, there's this great uh, part of the book when she's like, oh, she's on her period so they can't, you know, mm-hmm. have sex or whatever. He's like, no, okay, no, it's fine. Like, we'll just, like, cuddle. Um, and they cuddle and he's like, I always know when you're almost over your pair because you wear a different perfume. Like when it's the first couple of days, you wear this perfume Yeah. and you're wrapping it up, you wear this. And then when it's over, you wear this perfume and your shoes change. And I was like, oh my God. What? She's Lord. like, he like just, like he knows her so yeah. well because he's been watching her and he's, he's enthralled by her. Um, and she didn't know, and she didn't notice it. She was oblivious to this whole thing. And then when they finally come together and he's able to see even the parts of her that she's kept from even the, her closest bandmate, because her parents are crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and his parents are fantastic, but his dad is also a bit shitty to his mom. So they have all these things that, that they're damaged about that helps them connect. Uh, and it's just great. It was I hadn't read like a contemporary romance in a while that I'd really liked. I felt like I'd hit some sort of like romance book slump. I was telling Nana. Um, and this was a good way to sort of knock me out of it. It just came out... Um, last month i think or the month before okay. so check it out exposed oh, by Kristen Callahan. you won't regret it yeah it sounds like it has that classic romance like i don't know tension which is like yeah it it only works when there's a mutual attraction or else it's like exactly crazy. if it wasn't it'd be creepy he'd be a stalker he'd yeah be not, you'd hate it probably yeah. in real life you might not like it but in the book <laughs> Within the confines of this very specific universe, yeah. you're like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> he knows this everything. Is so touching. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's right. the book. Well, friends, um, Rom Squad, this has been another edition of the Rom Pod. Hell I think yeah, that's it, Nana. Yeah, it is. All right, all right, bye, friends. Bye. We're well, neither we're, team we'll... Ben nor team Paxton. We're team Debbie. That's right. It's all about her and her <laughs> her rage issues. She'll get better. We love you. We love you, Davy. <laughs> but bye, Rob hey, Squad. Davey. We'll tell you. We'll tease what we're watching next time on our Instagram. So look out for that. All right. Bye. Until next bye. time. <laughs>